section 58 of Elia and the last essays of Elia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matea Bracic. Elia and the last essays of Elia by Charles Lamb. The Old Actors, London Magazine, October 1822. I do not know a more mortifying thing than to be conscious of a foregone delight, with a total oblivion of the person and manner which conveyed it. In dreams I often stretch and strain after the countenance of Edwin, whom I once saw in Peeping Tom. I cannot catch a feature of him. He is no more to me than Noakes or Pinkethman. Parsons, and still more Dodd, were near being lost to me, till I was refreshed with their portraits. Fine treat the other day at Mr. Matthews's gallery at Highgate, which, with the exception of the Hogarth pictures, a few years since exhibited in Pall Mall, was the most delightful collection I ever gained admission to. There hang the players in their single persons, and in grouped scenes from the Restoration. Bettertons, Booths, Garricks, justifying the prejudices which we entertain for them, the brace girdles, the mount fours, and the old fields, fresh as Sibber had described them, the Waffington, a true Hogarth, upon a couch, dallying and dangerous, the screen scene in Brinsley's famous comedy with Smith and Mrs. Abingdon, whom I have not seen, and the rest, whom having seen, I see still there. There is Henderson, unrivalled in Comus, whom I saw at second hand in the elder Harley, Harley the rival of Holman in Horatio, Holman with the bright glittering teeth in Lothario, and the deep pavious sighs in Romeo, the jolliest person, our son is fat, of any hamlet I have yet seen, with the most laudable attempts, for a personable man, at looking melancholy, and Pope, the abdicated monarch of tragedy and comedy in Harry the Eighth and Lord Townley. There hang the two Aikins, brethren in mediocrity, Rawton, who in Kitely seemed to have forgotten that in prouder days he had personated Alexander, the specious form of John Palmer with the special effrontery of Bobby, Bensley with the trumpet tongue, and Little Quick, the retired Diocletian of Islington, with his squeak like a Bartholomew fiddle. There are fixed, cold as in life, the immovable features of Moody, who, afraid of o'erstepping nature, sometimes stops short of her, and the restless fidgetiness of Lewis, who, with no such fears, not seldom leaped o'er the other side. There hang Farron and Whitfield, and Burton and Fillimore, names of small account in those times, but which, remembered now, or casually recalled by the sight of an old playbill, with their associated recordations, can drown an eye unused to flow. There, too, hangs, not far removed from them in death, the graceful plainness of the first Mrs. Pope, with a voice unstrung by age, but which in her better days must have competed with the silver tones of Barry himself. So enchanting and decay do I remember it, of all her lady parts exceeding herself in the lady Quakeress. There earth touch heaven, of O'Keefe, when she played it to the merry cousin of Lewis, and Mrs. Mattox, the sensiblest of viragos, 
and miss pope a gentlewoman ever to the verge of ungentility with churchill's compliments still burnishing upon her gay honeycomb lips there are the two banisters and sedgwick and kelly and dignam diggy and the bygone features of mrs ward matchless in lady love rule and the collective majesty of the whole kemble family and shakespeare's woman dora jordan and by her two antics who in former and in latter days have chiefly beguiled us of our griefs whose portraits we shall strive to recall for the sympathy of those who may not have had the benefit of viewing the matchless highgate collection mr suet oh for a slipshod muse to celebrate in numbers loose and shambling as himself the merits and the person of mr richard suet comedian richard or rather dicky suet for so in his lifetime he was best pleased to be called and time hath ratified the appellation lieth buried on the north side of the cemetery of holy paul to whose service his nonage and tender years were set apart and dedicated there are who do yet remember him at that period his pipe clear and harmonious he would often speak of his chorister days when he was cherub dicky what clipped his wings or made it expedient that she should exchange the holy for the profane state whether he had lost his good voice his best recommendation to that office like sir john with hallooing and singing of anthems or whether he was adjudged to lack something even in those early years of the gravity indispensable to an occupation which professeth to commerce with the skies i could never rightly learn but we find him after the probation of a twelvemonth or so reverting to a secular condition and become one of us i think that he was not altogether of that timber out of which cathedral seats and sounding-boards are hewed but if a glad heart kind and therefore glad be any part of sanctity then might the robe of motley with which he invested himself with so much humility after his deprivation and which he wore so long with so much blameless satisfaction to himself and to the public be accepted for a surplice his white stole and alby the first fruits of his secularization was an engagement upon the boards of old drury at which theatre he commenced as i have been told with adopting the manner of parsons in old men's characters at the period in which most of us knew him he was no more an imitator than he was in any true sense himself imitable he was the robin goodfellow of the stage he came into trouble all things with a welcome perplexity himself no whit troubled for the matter he was known like puck by his note ha 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 sometimes deepening to ho 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 with an irresistible accentuation derived perhaps remotely from his ecclesiastical education foreign to his prototype of ola thousands of hearts yet respond to the chuckling oh la of dicky suet brought back to their remembrance by the faithful transcript of his friend matthews's mimicry the force of nature could no further go he drolled upon the stock of these two syllables richer than the cuckoo care that troubles all the world was forgotten in his composition had he had but two grains nay half a grain of it he could have never supported himself upon those two spiders strings which served him in the latter part of his unmixed existence as legs 
a doubt or a scruple must have made him totter a sigh have puffed him down the weight of a frown had staggered him a wrinkle made him lose his balance but on he went scrambling upon those airy stilts of his with robin goodfellow through brake through briar reckless of a scratched face or a torn doublet shakespeare foresaw him when he framed his fools and jesters they have all the true suet stamp a loose gait a slippery tongue this last the ready midwife to a without pain delivered jest in words light as air venting truths deep as the centre with idlest rhymes tagging conceit when busiest singing with leer in the tempest or sir toby at the buttery hatch jack bannister and he had the fortune to be more of personal favourites with the town than any actors before or after the difference i take it was this jack was more beloved for his sweet good-natured moral pretensions dicky was more liked for his sweet good-natured no pretensions at all your whole conscience stirred with bannister's performance of walter in the children of the wood how dearly beautiful it was but dicky seemed like a thing as shakespeare says of love too young to know what conscience is he put us into vesta's days evil fled before him not as from jack as from an antagonist but because it could not touch him any more than a cannon-ball or fly he was delivered from the burthen of that death and when death came himself not in a metaphor to fetch dicky it is recorded of him by robert palmer who kindly watched his exit that he received the last stroke neither varying his accustomed tranquillity nor tune with the simple exclamation worthy to have been recorded in his epitaph hola hola bobby mr munden not many nights ago we had come home from seeing this extraordinary performer in cockletop and when we retired to our pillow his whimsical image still stuck by us in a manner as to threaten sleep in vain we tried to divest ourselves of it by conjuring up the most opposite associations we resolved to be serious we raised up the gravest topics of life private misery public calamity all would not do there the antics sate mocking our state his queer visnomy his bewildering costume all the strange things he had raked together his serpentine rod swagging about in his pocket cleopatra's tear and the rest of his relics o'keefe's wild farce and his wilder commentary till the passion of laughter like grief in excess relieved itself by its own weight inviting the sleep which in the first instance it had driven away but we were not to escape so easily no sooner did we fall into slumbers than the same image only more perplexing assailed us in the shape of dreams not one munden but five hundred were dancing before us like the faces which whether you will or no come when you have been taking opium all the strange combinations which the strangest of all strange mortals ever shot his proper countenance into from the day he came commissioned to dry up the tears of the town for the loss of the now almost forgotten edwin oh the power of the pencil to have fixed them when we awoke a season or two since there was exhibited a hogarth gallery we do not see why there should not be a munden gallery 
in richness and variety the latter would not fall short of the former there is one face of farley one face of night one face but what a one it is of liston but munden has none that you can properly pin down and call his when you think he has exhausted his battery of locks in unaccountable warfare with your gravity suddenly he sprouts out an entirely new set of features like hydra he is not one but legion not so much a comedian as a company if his name could be multiplied like his countenance it might fill a playbill he and he alone literally makes faces applied to any other person the phrase is a mere figure denoting certain modifications of the human countenance out of some invisible wardrobe he dips for faces as his friend suet used for wigs and fetches them out as easily you should not be surprised to see him some day put out the head of a river horse or come forth a pewit or lapwing some feathered metamorphosis we have seen this gifted actor in sir christopher curry in old daunton diffuse a glow of sentiment which has made the pulse of a crowded theatre beat like that of one man when he has come in aid of the pulpit doing good to the moral heart of the people we have seen some faint approaches to this sort of excellence in other players but in what has been truly denominated the sublime of farce munden stands out as single and unaccompanied as hogarth hogarth strange to tell had no followers the school of munden began and must end with himself can any man wonder like him can any man see ghosts like him or fight with his own shadow cesar as he does in that strangely neglected thing the cobbler of preston where his alternations from the cobbler to the magnifico and from the magnifico to the cobbler keep the brain of the spectator in as wild a ferment as if some arabian night were being acted before him or as if thalaber were no tale who like him can throw or ever attempted to throw a supernatural interest over the commonest daily life objects a table or a joint stool in his conception rises into a dignity equivalent to cassiopeia's chair it is invested with constellatory importance you could not speak of it with more deference if it were mounted into the firmament a beggar in the hands of michelangelo says fuseli rose the patriarch of poverty so the gusto of munden antiquates and ennobles what it touches his pots and his ladles are as grand and primal as the seething pots and hooks seen in old prophetic vision a tub of butter contemplated by him amounts to a platonic idea he understands a leg of mutton in its quiddity he stands wondering amid the commonplace materials of life like primeval man with the sun and stars about him Ilya. end of section fifty eight end of elia and the last essays of elia by charles lamb